I want to invite you to pray with me the Lord's Prayer. You'll be able to see it on the screen. We'll pray these words of Jesus. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. It's great to be with you. My name is Jacob Armstrong, one of the pastors here. I always wanted to tell you about the first person uh, as a pastor that I got the privilege to sit with while uh, she passed away. I know it sounds kind of crazy, but it's something that pastors get to do. And the very first person that I sat with while she died was named Paula. And Paula was my friend's mom. In fact, my wife, Rachel, and I, when we were in college, would go over to her house on Tuesday night with a bunch of other college students and eat dinner. And then as her illness progressed, there were other times I just went to visit with her as she wasn't feeling well. And then uh, I got this call from my friend, uh, from her daughter, to tell me that Paula was at this hospice uh, facility and that she was in her last hours, and she asked me if I would come. Uh, it's a great honor and a great privilege. And when I got there, Paula was near the end. She had not spoken in a few days. And again, this being my first time there, maybe you have been in this situation with a loved one of your own. We all kind of do the same things. Uh, we tell stories. We sit quietly. Uh, we hold hands. And we pray. We pray and we pray and we pray and we pray. Even if you're not like big at praying or think that you pray very much, oftentimes people pray in these situations. They gather up with a, with a family member and pray or maybe just sit and pray quietly in your heart. And so when I used to go visit Paula in her house, uh, we would sing together. She was a great singer and she loved the, the old hymns of the church, like uh, the one we just sang. And so in one of those quiet moments, we were just kind of sitting there as, as Paula was quiet before she died. I decided uh, that I would sing with her again. So uh, I started uh, one of her favorites and just sang, uh, I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses. And you know what? As sure as I'm sitting right here today, Paula started singing with me. <laughs> I'll never forget it. And he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own and the joy we share as we tarry there none other has ever known. And I couldn't tell which side Paula was on, if you know what I mean. Like the veil was so thin her last words were these uh, songs of, of praise to God. They just came out of her. And what I'm trying to say is that that was a spiritual moment in my life, a spiritual encounter where I am certain that I was in the presence of the Spirit of God. And it made a big impression on my spirit. You know, a big part of my job and actually, my passion in life is teaching the Bible. And I've learned, I'm 20 plus years in now, I've learned that I'm actually never going to get tired of it. 
Like, I just love it. I love uh, learning about the Bible and teaching the Bible. It's, it's a passion of mine. I love teaching uh, what, what we might call sound doctrine. And that just means sort of the beliefs that have been handed down and honed and confirmed by the church generation after generation after generation. But I have to remind myself sometimes, like what I'm trying to do right now is let us not forget that this whole thing that we're about is spiritual, <laughs> It's not about filling in blanks or having the right beliefs or even the right behavior. It's a, it's a spiritual thing. It's a spiritual encounter. In fact, our whole story began, uh, well, if you read about it in Genesis chapter 1, it says, this is how the whole, the whole thing got going. It says, the Spirit of God was hovering over the chaos. So it was, the, it was the Spirit of God. It was a spiritual encounter, a spiritual kind of moment that kick-started the whole thing. Actually, when Jesus starts his ministry, uh, the God who we are told is actually there in the beginning, but when he's in flesh when he started his ministry on earth, uh, he didn't um, have a fill-in-the-blank sermon or have a test at the end of his teaching. Here's what he said. He said, the Spirit of God is upon me. <laughs> The Spirit of the Lord uh, is upon me and has anointed me. He said, the Spirit has come upon me and anointed me to preach good news to the poor and, and release prisoners and give sight to the blind. Jesus was saying, this is, a, this is a spiritual thing that we're about. You're a spiritual being. Jesus is saying, I'm a spiritual being, and this is a, a spiritual encounter. Last week, some of you were with us as we heard the story of the birthday of the church. When, when the church was birthed, and guess how it happened? The Spirit of the Lord fell upon them. The Spirit of God came upon them. It doesn't say the disciples finished up their theology degrees and then were sent out. They were fishermen and accountants and carpenters and women that had been shunned, but they had encountered Jesus, and the Spirit fell on them in power. The Spirit fell on them, and it, it changed the way they talked. It changed the way the, the room looked and the room felt and the room sounded. There was this the spiritual thing that happened that kick-started the church that, that led to great hymns that we would sing and be a part of our souls when we're about to step across the line to go be with Jesus for good. It's crazy. This spirit, I have learned, is not tameable or easily explainable. And that's, that's tough because sometimes we want to tame it or explain it and, and when we do that, sometimes we end up just sort of ignoring it because we focus on the things that we can tame and explain. That's what I've done over and over. But that's not how this whole thing got going, guys. It was the Spirit. So I, I'm thinking if we're here today and we're like, I'm looking for something more than what I'm getting out of this world. I'm looking for something more than what I'm getting out of my life. I'm, I want something more than what I can tame or explain. If we were to ask the question, then what shall we do, God? I think the answer is we pray. Prayer is our, our way of having a spirit conversation. Uh, prayer is how uh, we talk and listen and move in the spirit. Prayer is this invitation from God uh, to talk in the spirit, listen in the spirit, move in the spirit. And you might think, man, I don't know how to pray. We've been talking about this prayer thing. I'm still at this place. I don't know how to pray. I would guess that most of us feel that way. I just don't really know how to pray. Well, the disciples felt that way. That's actually what they said that led to the Lord's Prayer, which we just prayed. They actually told Jesus, the people who had been hanging out with Jesus, like, we don't know how to do that, which is what we say and what we feel. But I actually don't think we should let ourselves off the hook that easily because when we say, I don't know how to pray or I'm not sure if I'm a prayer, I think what we're really saying is I'm not really comfortable praying the kind of prayers that I've heard 
or I'm not sure that I can actually pray like the prayers I've heard in church or that I heard my grandpa pray or something like that. But that's not really what prayer is, mimicking someone else's prayer or getting it down right. Prayer is just talking to God and listening to God and encountering his spirit with your spirit. When I was first starting out as a pastor years ago, I was really intimidated by praying out loud in front of others because I didn't have a lot of experience with it. And the church that I was in was a real traditional church, and they had this prayer every Sunday in worship uh, that the pastors prayed. They actually called it the pastoral prayer. And I, I'm still not sure exactly what that means. You know, I wouldn't just be called the pastor's going to pray, but you give this big name to it. And the guys who would pray the pastoral prayer, it was so big and bountiful and beautiful. And the imagery that they would use in these prayers, it was wonderful. And we would feel so close to God. And I just knew that I could not do it. I was like, I don't even know those words. I don't even know what pastoral prayer <laughs> means. But one day I got you know, my lot cast and I was the one to give the pastoral prayer as a pastor who was studying, and I knew as I was doing it that I was not doing it right. And afterwards, my pastor that I worked for told me, you were not doing that right. And he said, Jacob, prayer is talking to God. He said, so just next time, just please talk to God. Just talk to God. Don't try to pray like I pray. Don't try to sound like that person. Just talk to God. I'm a spiritual being. You're a spiritual being. And prayer is this opportunity. Um, there's a psalm that says where we get to encounter God, spirit unto spirit. Where the spirit in us gets to um, come into communion and relationship with the Holy Spirit of God. The same one that hovered over chaos in the beginning. The same one that anointed Jesus and conquered sin and death, the same one that fell on the people that started the church, that started a movement which has touched billions and billions of lives, the same one that rose up in Paula when she was stepping across the veil, that spirit's in us. And so the way we talk to God is we pray, we just talk to God. And a couple years ago, well, not quite a couple years ago, uh, Pastor Mark and I received a phone call here at the church asking us to go to Centennial Hospital. One of our babies who had been born um, in the church, he'd been born premature, uh, was not doing well. His name is, is Wyatt. And Wyatt weighed one pound, 14 ounces. Uh, the phone call, we were told that his kidneys had stopped and his organs were shutting down. So Mark and I drove to the hospital and we asked the kind of questions you ask and we prayed. And then we went into the hospital and we met with Wyatt's parents in the uh, hospital hallway and heard what was going on. And they told us that if Wyatt's kidneys, which had been shut down for 30 hours now, did not start, that he would die. And so they asked Mark and I, something I had never done, they asked us if we would baptize Wyatt, thinking that he might not get the chance to ever be in this place for his baptism. And so Mark and I scrubbed in and they gave us this um, um, syringe with sterile water in it. And I watched my uh, brother Mark go and put a droplet of water on Wyatt's head. And Mark is one of the most powerful men of God I know. He's also one of the most gentle men of God I know. And he prayed this gentle, calm prayer. And he just said, um, God, I'm asking you to start Wyatt's kidneys. I realized he was just talking to God. Like that's what was on our mind. That was what was on our heart. And he just said, God, I'm asking you to start Wyatt's kidneys. And Wyatt's kidneys started working. They couldn't keep a dry diaper on him. And um, 
that baby, who's a bigger baby now, was here just a couple weeks ago on Mother's Day, sitting in his mom's lap. And I get it. You know, I, I prayed for more babies, for stuff to happen. Uh, and oftentimes it doesn't happen. But I'm telling you that story today, one, because it's true. Two, because it's our story. And so who else is going to tell it? And three, because I believe that Jesus has a power through his spirit that I will never be capable of on my own or through my own words or through my own sentences. And I'm actually banking my whole life on that belief, on the power of his spirit. I'm actually banking everything on that, on this Jesus and on this spirit and this invitation from God that our spirit, my spirit, your spirit gets to encounter his spirit. It's it's not going to be about getting all the right beliefs or even the right behavior. Right beliefs and right behavior are super important, but what God is inviting us into is a spiritual encounter that's, that's outside of that, and it's even bigger than that. I, I want to be a church where we acknowledge the miracles of God when we see them, where, and where we can also acknowledge the mysteries of life and the frustrations of life and the disappointments. You know, I stood right here um, this week, for a funeral with a bunch of, I don't know, hundreds of students that came into this room as we grieve one of our students, T.J. Taylor, who died at the age of 18 from an unexpected death. And you know what we did here in this room? We prayed and we prayed and we prayed. And we believed confidently in the spirit world that T.J.'s body that lay here in this room, yes, his physical body, but that his spirit lives with Jesus you understand there would have been no gathering if we were just gathering in the physical realm where bodies die and they were buried. There would be no gathering. Can you imagine what it would be like to have no hope? But there is hope, and it is a spiritual hope. It's a spiritual hope that we have been given, and we have to wake up to the reality that we are spiritual beings. Yes, I know so much around us is physical. We, we experience our physical bodies that are struggling once they get past 40, our physical minds, which don't seem to be as sharp as they used to. The physical creation seems to be suffering under a lack of care, but we wake up from the physical to the spiritual, and the way that we do that is prayer. Prayer wakes us up to see this whole other realm that is just as real as the physical, that we are actually spiritual beings. There are some key verses in the book of Acts that we've been walking through over the last two months about this spirit and about this prayer. Uh, I don't know if these are the only ones, but these to me are like the, the kind of three moments in the Acts 1 and Acts 2 where it's like, oh, that's what's going on with this spirit. And that's what's going on with this prayer. I want to read them to you again. They will be a rehearsal uh, for us saying these verses over and over because they're big time verses. So you've heard them before. Acts chapter one says, do not leave Jerusalem. This is Jesus speaking to his followers. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. Hmm, what's he talking about? For John baptized with water, but in a few days, you're gonna be baptized with the Spirit, with the Holy Spirit. It's going to come on you. So they, they wonder, hmm, when is that gonna happen, Jesus? Can you give us, you know, can you tell us when? And he says, it's not for you to know the times or the dates 
the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So just some statements pulling out of that, these two months that we've been praying, things that I've seen I want to share with you. The first is this. Prayer is often urgent and involves waiting. It sounds contradictory, but that's the world we live in. We have these urgent prayers to pray, and there's a waiting that's evolved. Can you imagine something more urgent than what the disciples were experiencing in that moment when their Savior, who they had seen executed and was now alive before them, was saying, I'm going away, and I'm leaving you here in the same system, the same government, the same structures that executed the one who was saying the things that they were now saying. They had some urgent prayers, and yet in the urgency, they were told, you're going to have to wait. That's what we live in. That's what we exist in. We come before God, and I'm just telling you, almost always, there is going to be a spiritual waiting Like we're praying for the healing or we're praying for our lost son or we're praying just to get through the night. There's a waiting even in the urgency. It's a really key verse, that one where Jesus says, wait for it, the spirit is coming. The next verse I wanna share with you is Acts chapter one, verse 14. The disciples now see Jesus ascended. They go back to a room and it says, they all join together constantly in prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. This leads me to this statement. Prayer is connected to community, and it leads to unity, right? Prayer is connected to community, and it leads to unity. That's why you don't have to be perfect at prayer. You don't have to be great at prayer. You don't have to have prayer down. You don't have to be able to pray all the time. Those are great things to aspire to, but we pray in community So there's going to be times when you can't pray, and I'll pray for you. There's going to be times when you don't have prayer down, and you're going to hear someone else pray and say, those are the words that I needed. But that only happens in community, and it leads to a very special kind of unity. It's what is known as the unity of the Spirit. The unity of the Spirit. The unity of the Spirit is something that the church right now has to offer the world especially in a time when it's so, uh, so divided. Here, here's a question I'll ask you. Do you think everyone in our church, our large church, do you think everyone in our church agreed on politics over the last year? Or do you think we all agreed on what was going on with coronavirus? Or who should wear masks and when we should wear them? Or whatever else we might have been concerned about or mad about? I will answer that question. We did not. Did you know that our church right now is stronger than it has ever been. I can testify to that. I'm pretty, I'm pretty aware of what's going on. Our church right now is stronger than it has ever been. How? Why? Unity of the Spirit. Unity of the Spirit. Unity of the Spirit, there can be disagreement that does not lead to division. That's what unity of the Spirit is. Listen to how Paul describes it, how we achieve this. Oh, you're like, oh, there's some stuff we have to do to get to there? Yeah, big time. Listen to, listen to how do you get to a place in prayer to the unity of the Spirit. Here's what Paul says. He says, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. So to get to the unity of the Spirit, you have to be humble, gentle, patient, and you have to bear with one another. You have to make every effort to keep this unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. How do you do it? You make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit 
through the bond of peace. And he goes on, I, I got to read the rest of it. He says, there's one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and father of us all who is over all and through all and in all. One, 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 one. In a world where everyone says this side, that side, my side, your side, us, them, the spirit says one, 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 one. One Lord, one father, one baptism, one faith, one spirit. The same spirit that hovered over the chaos, the same spirit that anointed Jesus, the same spirit that conquered sin and death, the same spirit that fell on the church, one spirit in one church, and that spirit is in us. And so, man, that's a unity that no politics, no virus, no mass can touch. It's a unity of the spirit. Nothing can affect it. We can disagree. We can struggle. We can be confused. We can be frustrated. We cannot understand what's going on. But when the spirit binds us together, everything else falls away. One more key verse in Acts, and that's the Pentecost verse. I mean, this is what set the church on fire. And it says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven. It filled the whole house where they were sitting and they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. My statement coming out of this is the answer to prayer is often unexpected and God can be trusted. The answer to prayer is often unexpected. Wind, fire, what? Different languages, but we trust God for it. That's what God brought. We prayed, we prayed, we prayed. God has provided, and so we will trust God. So what you're praying for, the answer often, I think, is unexpected, but you trust God and you trust God and trust God. Prayer is not how we determine the future. It's how we trust in God for the future. And so our God can be trusted. And, and the, the way we know that is our spirit tells us that. The spirit in us tells us you can trust God. You can trust God. You can trust God. So we're going to pray. Uh, just for a few minutes here, we're going to pray together. Um, we've been doing this on that Monday night prayer gathering um, that Mark mentioned, just spending some time in prayer. And so I'm going to pray. Um, Pastor Mark's going to come and join me, and we're just going to pray through some of this, and we want you to have time to pray. Uh, if you're watching this live right now on our website, uh, you'll see there's a place where you can request prayer. And so we encourage you to do that. If you have something, uh, there'll be someone from our prayer team that live will be with you. If you're watching this later on YouTube or Facebook or something, you can put in the comment section, uh, whatever you need prayer, pray for, and we, we assure you that we will pray with you. But we're praying through four things. This is what we've been doing these last two months. Uh, we're praying for power. This is what happened in the early church through prayer. Power, healing, uh, lies that you're hearing to be dispelled, and salvation for people to come and know Jesus. So we're going to pray through those four things, give some time for you to pray. Um, Pastor Mark's going to begin us in, that, in those prayers for power. So let us pray. Let's pray. Oh God, oh Holy Spirit, you know our condition better than we do. You know that we are frail and we are weak and we act like we're strong, we act like we have it all together, we're relying on power that is just found laying around in this world around us. But what we need, God, you've designed us to live in strength, and so what we need is the power that comes directly from heaven. Yes. We need the same power that rose Jesus from the dead to come be present in us and in our church and in our homes. Yes. Because that's the kind of power that brings transformation. It brings dead things to life. 
And God, we see lots of signs that, that there is death around us, that, 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 that there is loss that is weighing us down, that there is weakness that we are living in and allowing ourselves to live in. But if the power of resurrection comes into our life, if, the, if you send your spirit, God, then we can live out a different kind of power that breaks through all kinds of barriers, yes. breaks through all kinds of walls, that reaches down to the people in, in this earth who feel like they are utterly powerless because they've been told that they're powerless. People who have been pushed down and shoved down and kept down. People have said they have, have been told they have no, no worth and no strength. God, we lift them up before you right now because you have given us the power of your spirit. We lift them up before you. God, would you embolden them with the truth of, of who they are? And God, just give us this image of, of your spirit just covering the earth, reaching into every place that we can't imagine. We can't begin to lift up to you in prayer because we don't even know about, but God, would your, would your power reach beyond our vision? Would your power reach beyond our work? Would your power reach beyond even, even our worship and what we do as, as disciples in the body of Christ? God, go way beyond that and bring kingdom transformation in this place, in yes. every home, on every street corner, <laughs> yeah, in every, every place where families are huddled together in fear. God, we, would the power of your spirit bring a kind of transformation that causes the world to see you, respond to you, and worship you. In Jesus' name. Oh God, we pray for healing. We believe that there is healing power in Jesus Christ, in the name of Jesus Christ. So in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, I pray for healing for those who are watching right now. Those who are worshiping along um, in their living room or at work or in the car, pray for healing for those who know that they are in desperate need of healing. We believe that you can do all things. We trust you and, and we ask God, for healing for, uh, for bodies, <laughs> minds, spirits, relationships, even souls to experience uh, a spiritual healing that only you can do. So let us, uh, God, be honest with you as we share a few moments together in prayer or we could call out to you and say, oh Lord, come and heal uh, my frail body or come and, and heal my fragile mind. <laughs> Come heal my weary, my weary spirit. Hear us, God, as we call out to you for healing. We ask this in Jesus' name. God, we confess to you that we have allowed our, our stories and our hearts to be constructed and defined by things that are not true. 
In this world, there are so many stories that are swirling around, and, and oftentimes we just try to grab a hold of something that we just hope is true, and it falls short, but we've allowed it to define us. God, we, we pray for, for our young people in this community yes. and around the world who are hearing all kinds, all kinds of stories and, and saying that they are, they are not people of worth, that you couldn't possibly love them, that we couldn't possibly love them. God, we pray that you would just push out all of those lies, shove them out of their hearts, open up their hearts to receive the good news that you love them and you love us so much that you would give everything. Yes, thank you, Jesus. That you would come to be present with us, to, to show us the way to you. And that our, at our core, you have designed us like you did in, in the very beginning. You designed us and said we are good. There is worth in us. God, we pray that you would breathe your Holy Spirit on every heart where the where the, the flames have just started to die down. Yeah. And just breathe your Holy Spirit on those embers yes. that are remaining and restore us to life. Restore yes. in us the truth of our salvation in Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. pray for people to be saved, to be rescued from darkness, from sin, from despair. In this uh, beautiful story in the book of Acts where you've walked us through, God, we see that as the people pray and as the Spirit falls, that um, more and more people are added unto the number of the church, that more and more people say, well, what do I have to do? What do I have to do to know this Jesus? What do I have to do to be baptized? And so we just pray right now um, across a bunch of times and places that where we are. We pray um, for those who are lost, those who are far away from God, that they would be saved. That may be one of us who is hearing the sound of my voice right now who knows that, that they are the one. God, I just pray for that sister or that brother that they would say yes to you in this moment. Just yes to you in their spirit. <laughs> just in their spirit, they would talk to you. And they would find uh, healing and, and um, salvation through confessing Jesus as Lord and believing that you raised him from the dead. And we pray for those whom we love who, uh, who need to be saved. And so names come to our mind, faces come to our mind, sons, daughters, grandchildren, cousins, co-workers. We pray for them, God. We pray for the movement of your spirit in the world to draw them close, to draw them close to you. And we pray for their salvation. We pray for a movement of the Spirit that would lead to salvation. And we pray for people we'll never know <laughs> all over the world. Um, and we pray for those missionaries and church planters and pastors and just faithful Christians who are living out their uh, lives, uh, sharing the gospel, just like Jesus, preaching good news to the poor. And we pray for a great harvest of souls, uh, of confession of Jesus Christ all over the world through faithful prayers in places like Mount Juliet, Tennessee all over the world as we just pray and pray and pray and ask for your will to be done, God. Not ours, but your will to be done. 
We ask all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. One of the names of God in the Old Testament is Jehovah Jireh, and it just simply means the God who provides, the God who is enough. And wherever you are right now, he is enough. He is more than enough. If you feel fearful, he is enough. If you feel empty, he is enough. He is truly our provider. He is more than enough.
know who I am. I know what you've spoken. I'm already loved more than I could imagine. it guys all that that's it you were loved by God <laughs> you're chosen you're enough because of Jesus and this spirit connection and so we will continue to pray and pray and pray and pray because that's our spirit language that's our conversation that's how we move um, that's how we talk. That's how we listen in the spirit. We'll continue to have the unity of the spirit. And in that, we will continue to have power and healing. <laughs> and our lives will be saved. I love this next song we're going to sing. It has bubbled up out of our worship leaders. They, uh, these guys right here wrote this song in this season. It's a Pentecost song. It's a song of the spirit falling out. So let us sing of this spirit that is moving and moving and moving. 